Hello, my children. <laughs> you look beautiful. All of you look beautiful today. Yes. <laughs> I want to welcome all of the graduates' families. Welcome. We hope that you feel a warm sense of connection while you are here. Treat our home church as your home church. Unless you don't treat your home church well, don't do that here. <laughs> Happy Sabbath. Principal, it's good to have you here. Academy, it's good to have you here, Academy families. And of course, our graduates for 2022. Well, well, well. I recall us being together in 2018. Do you remember that? If you do, put your hand up. All right, a couple of you did. In 2018, I talked about a mountaineer. This is what these human beings look like in 2018. Look at them. I talked about a mountaineer who had a son. And the son and this mountaineer began to take their journey up the mountain. And the father at every precipice would yell out, you made it, you made it. Oh, yeah, you made it. Do you remember that? All right. Say it with me. One, two, three. You made it, you made it. Oh, yeah, you made it. 2018, you were just ending a journey and starting a new one. Look at you. This is what you look like. Now you look like this. So I want to pause for a second. I'm going to invite you in just one minute to stand up. And then I'm going to allow all of the community that is here to celebrate all of us for the great achievement you have made this weekend. Now, please arise. Church, let's celebrate together. Absolutely. All right, sit down. This is a widely celebrated and highly anticipated tradition here at the Las Vegas University Church since about 1922. Because you are a part of this community, this church, plus 17 other constituent churches who care for your success, we have come this weekend to celebrate the great communal work that has been done so that you can accomplish this part of your academic lives. You are here. For some, some of that context that, that uh, the congregation may need to know about our eighth grade meeting, each one of these precipices that the father and the son would get to, the son believed that he was getting to the top of the mountain. And every time he got to that next level, that next ledge, he realized there was much more mountain to go. But the most awkward part of the, of the story for the, for the son was that the father was wearing these celebration caps. I see you wearing them. Some of you, and some of you are embarrassed. You all have one under your chair. I want you to pull it out now. 
At every level of the climb, when the sun would get to the top of this rigorous hike, rigorous climbing, rigorous mountaineering, where he thought that he would finally make it to the top, it was just more climb ahead. But his father would wear these caps. And his father would have a little whistle and he'd blow it and he had just a few pieces of confetti that he kept throwing in his son's face and he would say, you made it, you made it. Oh yeah, you made it. Finally, by the time they got numerous ways up, they weren't even at the top, the son was quite angry. He, he, he sees his dad at the ledge. His dad is wearing that ugly hat. He grabs the hat and he flings it off of the cliff and he says, this is the worst experience ever. And the father takes him to the cliffside and he makes him look and he says, you've been dying to get to the top. What you didn't realize is that at every part of your journey, you've hit a top and that has prepared you for the next part of your climb. And now you have hit another milestone of a climb, but that is only to prepare you for the next part. Put that picture of these eighth graders back up. You are not that anymore. Look at how cute you all were. So cute. Some of you are taller. Some of you are not, sorry. <laughs> Some of you have gained experiences. Some of you have grown hair. Next slide. Let's look at Josh. Look at Josh here. <laughs> look at Josh, everybody. Smooth baby face. Next picture. Look at Josh now. Wow. Mustache, bro. Nice. You have changed these past four years. You have worked, you have prayed, you have studied, you have played sports, you have done it all. And here you are today. You were just kids just yesterday. Now look at this next picture. I need to, this is, this is you all on a class trip in eighth grade. Because you could not afford a normal hotel, your, your, your sponsors took you to a bathroom to warm yourselves. <laughs> Go one more. This is our next picture. This is our graduating class varsity ladies. Let's give them a big round of applause. <laughs> My sister, who's a bully, made me put that picture up. There you are. You have created experiences for yourself. And now we're here together to celebrate one more round as you've accomplished it. At that commencement, I shared that story and I shared that you were beginning a new time and now that that time has come to a close, we are here. So I wanna share two gems for all of us as a church today to ponder from this graduating amazing class of 2022. Our text that they chose is, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God, as we ponder on these words, from the text of wisdom, would you 
expound its beauty and allow this gem to shimmer so that as we leave this place, one community, we will all be better. Bless us, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. This interesting text varies in perspective, contextual explanations, and it's, it's debatable theologically how it should work. I want to give you a perspective um, that has been shared before. So it's not new, but it's worth sharing today. These two pieces of iron that sharpen each other, as they come into contact, become sharper, not in an instance, not miraculously, and not without friction, but through toil through prolonged pressure, through repetition and process, they begin to become mutually sharpened. The, the, the beginning of this process happens, but to the naked eye, you can't see it. It's in the granular. It's in the microscopic. But the work is happening. And while we can't quite, quite tangibly experience it, it is happening in us. They both mutually go through this transformation as they move through the process together. And though undetectable to the naked eye, they both begin to change. It is a text that focuses on the bold work of becoming the agency of goodness for the world and is rooted in a communal kingdom heartbeat. This is your task to be an agent of goodness in this world. Today, more than ever, we need agents of goodness in the world. Today, more than ever, we need hope in this world. You are the embodiment of that in this text, and the heartbeat is communal. It takes two. Too often, we live under this misconception that, that, that we are individuals, that this is my individual life, that I got to this place because I got here, that I earned my place in this world, and that falls short of the communal command that God gives us as a body, that Paul says, all are parts of this body. It's not because you worked hard enough that you are here, my students. You are here not just because you did a good job. You are here not just because you put in the work. You are here because everybody put in the good work. Somebody say amen. You are here because somebody paid the bill. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus, somebody paid that bill. Woo. You are here because somebody was praying over you when you didn't know it. You are here because there were people who were patient with your learning and your growing even when they didn't feel like it. You were here because you had a safe place to eat and to sleep and to study. And sometimes we don't recognize that, but that is what happens when a community pulls together so that we can all graduate. Amen. Graduates. In this reality, you are here because we are all here. La Sierra University Church pours into La Sierra Academy because we want students to succeed. Teachers from La Sierra Academy pours in. The administration pours in because they want you to succeed. Parents are pouring in because they want you to succeed. Even if at times your parents seem to be the enemy. Somebody say amen. I heard a mmm. Lord, Lord. 
Even if at times between you and your household there is sparks and friction, they want you to succeed. That's why this weekend is so big. You see them coming out and they act crazy. They want to make noise. They want to have a photo booth. They want to take billions of pictures. Because you succeeding is all of us succeeding. Because you growing is all of us growing. You do not do this alone. Church, we do not do life alone. You do not succeed in life alone, which also means you do not fail alone, which also means you do not struggle alone. Turn to somebody right now, point number one, you do not live alone. This is a communal living. You are not alone. Turn to somebody else and say, you are not alone. Church, you are not alone. Graduates, you are not alone. The author of Hebrews calls these people who inspire, support, and remind a large crowd of witnesses that is all around us. You're succeeding here this weekend is a reminder that you are not succeeding alone. You represent all of us. You represent all of our communal hopes, all of our dreams, all of our futures. And conversely, when you fail, and it happens, you don't fail alone. All the burden doesn't have to just belong to you. When you struggle, you don't struggle alone. Christianity has often created a culture where we cannot trust each other with our struggles and our failures. And shame on us for doing this. We, 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 we struggle at home. We've got uh, health issues. We've got finance problems. We, we're trying to figure out our marriage and our parenting. And we're trying to figure out our parents. But when we come to church, how are you? I'm highly blessed, praise the Lord. God is good. But is he? We've created a culture where we cannot trust each other. And the church should be the place where we can say to each other, you are not alone. Turn to one more person today, because they may need to hear it, and tell them, you are not alone. According to the theologian Carol Dempsey, this branch of church, namely justice, is a profound, lifelong, and communal vocation calling to be a just people who reflect the love and the hospitality of God. We as the church must do better to work at reflecting that love and hospitality of God. No one should leave this place feeling alone in their journey. Young people, you need to be here at the church. The church needs you. If I can take a moment just to speak to you, this church cannot move forward without each of you taking part of it. This church is not going to make it if you don't lead us. All of us generations are moving on, and we are grasping for you to take it. This is your home. I mean, you have other churches too. That's your home. I'm not stealing anybody. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is your home. You're not alone. And the way we can get better at that is if you begin to lead us in that way. 
All of us have struggles, emotional, mental, physical, insecurities we have to deal with, financial problems, inequality, inequity. And in these battles that we have, sometimes it is tempting to feel like we are the only ones who deal with something. But here in the church should be the place where we can say, you belong. You are not alone. I got two points because I get hungry, so I got to go eat. <laughs> Secondly, somebody say amen. amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm hungry. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. This is the kind of church I want to be part of. We're taking memberships out the door. Just playing, everybody. Don't get mad. Secondly, back to Proverbs 27 in the friction and the sparks therein. It is the commitment of the two pieces of iron to stay connected that sharpens them mutually. Neither can give up or retract. Otherwise, the process stops. We must not give up. We must not give up on each other, and we must not give up on ourselves. Church, we must not give up on each other. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not giving up on you. The world has set us segmented, has set us apart, has divided us, has called us into our corners. We dig in and we say, you belong to that thing, and I don't belong to that thing, so we can't be the same. We cannot give up on each other. When we give up on each other is when we become dull like the world around us. Don't you flail and don't you get pulled by distractions of voices in this world. Stay together. God is going to do something powerful when we are one community. We belong together. Don't give up on each other and don't give up on yourself. The church needs you here. Your families rely on you not to give up. The world desperately needs people like you who won't give up. The gospel community's ability to be hospitable in such a toxic world is contingent on you not giving up. Latin American theologian Ruth Padilla divorced. Hospitality means conversion from individualism to community, from autonomy to interdependence, from idolatry to true worship from grasping to receiving, from oppressive dominion over creation to loving care of it, from indifference to passionate, prayerful actions, from Western definition of development to loving participation, from competition to collaboration, from protagonism to service. Grace G. Sun Kim puts it this way. The new people that Jesus had in mind are a hospitable, welcoming, open, and generous people. We are responded to Jesus' welcome at the table as we are recipients of Jesus' divine hospitality. This is our calling together. It is to drive us into the same place, to stay through the tough times, to be careful of becoming so homogenous that we look down on other diverse groups. We've seen this in our news all too often. Weeks of it, weeks on end of it that we hear on the news, whether Buffalo or OC or, 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 or uh, where were we at, Tulsa? This world is busy hating itself. Graduates, we desperately need you to lead us. 
to be more loving, hospitable, and kind. And you can do it. So don't give up on each other. Church, don't give up on each other. And church, don't give up on yourself. What if Joseph had given up on himself? What if Joseph, after the the Potiphar's wife debacle, you remember that? Can we just talk about Joseph for a second? I think Joseph is a, this guy's the truth. He uh, denies a, a, a full-grown woman who has quite a, a lot of wealth and authority. He decides that even after her advances to him, he would not partake in this thing. Now think about this. This is a time pre, pre-social media. So when she said, we can keep it between us, it could have very well stayed between them. But he chooses not to. How does he get rewarded? He's thrown in prison. Your choices, as good as they were, may not always lead to prosperity or success or goodness. But it doesn't mean you give up on yourself. Joseph, had he given up at that debacle, would have lost his way up to becoming Zaknath Paneah. What if Moses had given up uh, uh, on, on the, the plan when they hit that Red Sea? What if right at that moment he looks around and he's pocketed in, he's in trouble, he's entrapped, there's no way he's going to get out. What if he gave up and didn't step into the waters like God had commanded him to do, to strike it with the rod? What if Joshua, on his sixth time around the wall, decides, you know what, we've gone around six and a half times, it's too many times, there's just no way possible this could happen. What if the blind man who, who's at the pool of Bethesda decides that the trip on his way, he hasn't been changed or he hasn't felt any healing, nothing is new in him, so he stops before he gets in the pool. What if we are one step away from the season that God has in store for us? Church, what if you are one season away from where God wants you? Don't give up. So turn to somebody right now, this is point number two, and say, don't give up. You said that like you gave up. It sounded like you gave up. <laughs> but I don't give up, man. Sermon ain't giving up on me right now. Somebody help me. I'm hungry. Sugar's low. Turn to somebody else and say, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Everybody here has a story of failure and wanting to give up. But every temptation of wanting to give up, someone has pushed through to succeed on your behalf. Remember when you graduated from kindergarten and found out in first grade that you didn't have nap time? Mercy, that was rough. Somebody say amen. Whew, Jesus. You know, when, when, when we were young, back in the 1900s, that's in the, you looked that up, it's in history. Apparently, you all were born in 2004. They didn't have kindergarten graduations, man. They just, when you were done with kindergarten, they got sick of you, they pushed you into first grade. What if after that kindergarten graduation, you came into first grade, there was no nap time, you going home, dad, I can't go to school anymore, there's no nap. You gave up, you wouldn't be here. 
What if at the eighth grade, you know, level and you're just about to graduate and come into high school and you're like, I don't know, this is too much. What if you gave up there? You wouldn't have been able to make it in high school. What if your freshman year when somebody said something to you that you didn't agree with or that hurt your feelings because we all get hurt, it's okay. But what if in that moment you decide, I'm going to give up? You wouldn't be here right now. So the point is, if you gave up in those moments where you were feeling low, you would have never reached this place. You're going to experience that in life. Isn't that the truth, church? There are moments in life when we just feel like, man, I just don't know if I can push forward. Maybe I should give up. Maybe I should change my way. Maybe something's wrong. But maybe, just maybe, the things you are going through is preparing you for the place you're going to be. Don't give up. I've been bullied, I've been discouraged. I've been ignored. I've been made fun of. I grew up in a family with no money. I grew up in a, in a world where I, where I was an undocumented immigrant. I grew up with naysayers. I grew up with haters around me in all places. I grew up with people who told me, don't go into ministry, it's not your place. I grew up with people around me constantly tearing me down. And today I stand before you having graduated from kindergarten. Today I stand before you having graduated from eighth grade. Today I stand before you having graduated from high school where you are today. I have graduated from undergraduate work, from graduate work, and now I am in doctoral work because I would not let the naysayers hold me down. It is not because I was smart. It is not because I had uh, all the, the privilege that many other families had. It is not because we had money and way. It was just because I wouldn't give up. You don't need money. You don't need to come from wealth or privilege. You don't need to have someone who knows your name because God knows your name. All you need to do to succeed in this world is not give. Oh, mercy. Somebody gave up today. <sighs> not give up. Number one, graduates, you are not alone. Church, you are not alone. Number two, graduates, don't give up. You're going to have tough days. You're going to have disappointments. There are going to be failures along the way. Somebody is eventually going to break your heart. And if you have a dad like me, he'll break their legs. There are days you're not going to want to get out of bed. There are days you're not going to feel like you're good enough. There are days where you all, all that's here you're hearing is this, this chamber, this echo chamber of, of, of people who just think you can't. Do not give up because you are the hope of the church. Church, I don't know what you're struggling through today. I don't know where you are financially. I don't know uh, what, what happens when you go home into your secret place where you're just feeling completely drained and, and, and there's nothing left. I don't know if you're feeling like uh, in the church you come to, you feel ostracized. I want you to do this today. Do not give up. And in that place together, we will celebrate because as a community, we see the hope of a rising new generation Lead us with courage and goodness as iron sharpening iron so we 
sharpen each other. Let us pray. God, thank you for our time. Continue to sharpen us together. Bless those in this place today who are watching online who just feel alone, who feel isolated and entrapped. Today, may they feel tangibly connected. Remind them they're not alone. And as these graduates step into their success, let them step boldly, not giving up, because you are the God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, and the one who promised never to leave our side. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Let all God's people say, amen.